Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to our newest edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you by my own consulting firm, Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, LLC. For those of you who missed last week's show, I would encourage you to go back either on SoundCloud or on Spotify and look for that show. Uh, you can find me there or you can find me on my website, which is JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. If you go up to the menu at the top and you find the Local Matters tab, you will see every single show that I have done since I began this Local Matters venture back in March of this year. Uh, last week's show, my guest was Ms. Ianthe Metzger. She is the Deputy Director of Campaign Communications with EMILY's List. We had a great conversation about why so few women run for and hold public office. And uh, we talked about what Emily's List does. That organization has been around for the last 35 years to help women get ready to run for local, state, and federal offices. So that was a great show. If you missed it, uh, please go to my website uh, to catch that show. Again, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com under the Local Matters tab. Today, I am equally excited uh, because my guest is Ms. Minister Siobhan Williams. Siobhan is a resident right here in the Augusta area. She is uh, with the organization called Faith in Public Life, and she is a Georgia organizing ambassador. How are you doing today, Siobhan? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing today? Great, great. So if you could tell me a little bit more about the organization. As I said, it's called Faith in Public Life. Uh, I'd like to hear about the organization as well as your ministry. Yes, okay, thank you. Faith in Public Life was actually founded um, approximately 15 years ago by a um, uh, minister that is from Atlanta, Georgia, but lives in DC. So it's a national movement of clergy. It was founded um, 15 years ago. And what it was founded to do is mobilize a network of pastors and uh, faith leaders um, nationwide to engage in moral action and um, affirm our values and affirm um, human dignity um, and fight for equal uh, equality and justice for everyone. In 2014, Faith and Public Life started our um, Faithful Voters Pledge here in Georgia. In fact, I started it here in Augusta where we mobilized congregations um, through their pastors and faith leaders to pledge to vote so that they um, know that their vote count, um, pledge with their community, and their, their church or local faith community, that they're going to get out and uh, move beyond just being a registered, um, registered to vote, but actually move to the ballot and then um, pledge to vote. 
and then we um, seek to make um, uh, voters aware of how they can engage with their elected officials, um, seek to make the help to help them hold them accountable, and uh, make sure that whoever is elected mm -hmm. is truly being a voice for the people they're supposed to represent. Okay. So I think those of you who have been regular listeners to my show can figure out why I wanted to have Minister Williams here with us today. Um, the mission of faith and public life is very, very similar to the reason that I created this show. Uh, one of the uh, seminal moments for me in creating this show was my having a conversation uh, in a social action committee meeting of the Augusta alumni chapter of Delta Sigma Theta. And we were talking about our efforts to get people registered to vote. And then I realized, you know, we put a whole lot of effort into getting folks registered, but do they, A, follow through with the commitment to vote after they get registered? Uh, as we were uh, talking a couple of weeks ago about our most recent elections, and some of those races, there were only 11% of turnout of registered voters. Uh, so we wind up with District 9 in a situation where you have a super district representing half of the county and probably, you know, less than 10,000 people voted in that election to make a decision. I don't have those exact numbers in front of me. I covered them on that show. But I think it was, you know, maybe 10, 12,000 people voting to determine who was going to represent 100,000. So uh, we registered folks to vote. Uh, a lot of times that's as far as they get in terms of their civic engagement is, oh yeah, I'm a registered voter, but I've never actually been to the polls. And then uh, when folks do get to the polls, how do they make thoughtful decisions about who it is that they're going to vote for? So that seems to definitely coincide with the role of faith in public life in this voters pledge. Yes, we do. We actually work through, um, we have over 50,000 uh, clergy members across the nation we work with. Here in um, Georgia, I um, so far have about 75 um, different religious organizations where I talk to the um, leaders of the organization as well as other lay leaders and talk to them about the pledge, um, share with them pledge cards, um, the issues surrounding the elections, whatever the elections that's coming up. And uh, faith leaders then go to their members or their congregants and um, promote the Faithful Voters Pledge Card. They're asking um, their members to pledge to vote. And they actually fill out the pledge card. Um, this year, with the pandemic, we've also got a, a digital component where people can actually text the pledge. But whether they fill out a, a printed pledge card or text the pledge and put in their information, that information, um, we get and we um, actually match it with Georgia's database to make sure those that pledge to vote um, have not been purged, make sure there's no name address discrepancy, and that when um, election time comes, that they mm -hmm. actually can mm -hmm. vote and their um, voice is heard through their vote. Okay. It Great. won't be one of the ballots that's thrown out Great. Um, after the election. All right, that, that's yeah. very important. And you know, when I first met you a few weeks ago, uh, you, talk, you were talking about the notion of accountability. And you were talking about some specific strategies you have in terms of uh, letting elected officials that represent you uh, know what it is that is on your mind. 
Uh, yes. We also talked about some other things uh, related to state uh, officials in particular, state representatives and state senators in particular, about how sometimes we elect folks to represent us, but we don't turn around and check what their voting records have been. And sometimes if we do check to see what their records are, we may find out that there were a lot of votes that they in fact missed. They, they didn't cast a vote at all. So can you speak to us a little bit along those lines about accountability and how uh, we can help ourselves by learning more about what those people do when we elect them to represent us? Yes. I, um, I got interested in um, accountability first on a local level um, years ago, um, dealing with my children. I was a young teenage parent and I knew um, the value of voting. I knew about voting. Um, and so as soon as I was able to vote, I quickly registered. And then I would do like I watched my grandparents do and my parents do. When it come election time, I would go vote, but it stopped there until I, my son was in pre-K, in preschool actually, um, and at a daycare center, and the roads were horrible. And so I would go um, daily um, to drop him off, and I started calling my local officials about that, because surely a county-maintained road should be in better condition than this. And when I called, um, initially called roads and bridges and called repairs, and I was constantly getting um, the runaround. Um, well, you gotta call this department. Well, that's not what we do. We, we, we don't repair, we do new roads. And so as I um, got more and more frustrated and I spoke with the owner of the um, daycare center who expressed she was getting the same thing. And, and one of my biggest concerns was is this because of the area it's in? It was in, it's in South Augusta. I started looking around and saying, our roads look neglected in this area. So I started calling and then I said, well, let me call the elected officials because the departments that handle the work isn't doing it. And um, after I talked to a couple of elected officials, one where I lived, also in the specific neighborhood that uh, covered the neighborhood where the daycare was, um, then I was like, well, if you're not gonna fix it, Tell me where to send the bill for my uh, car note because it, it, you know, you get these bills to um, get your tires balanced and um, your car aligned because of these horrible roads. But it was after I started digging in and I'm like, you know what? I elected you in this office. And if you're not in this office to help your area, if you're not in this office to be a voice for those who voted for you, then maybe you shouldn't be in this office if you can't do any better than this. And we saw an immediate response. And I'm like, oh, maybe my voice does mean more than just uh, um, vote at the ballot. And then as my children grew up and they were, um, I was not happy with some of the things that was going on. All of my children were raised and um, was going up through the um, local um, Richmond County school system. I started calling board members and then I, I gained my voice and started empowering others even back then um, in my twenties by letting them know, you know what? Um, I am a constituent, I am a voter and you represent this area and these are the needs of the people in your area. 
And um, what I realized then that 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 power in the voice, or the power in your vote, that we have because they're there to represent us. And what I also realized, even if I didn't vote for them, or who I voted for isn't who got elected, it didn't matter because I still had to hold whoever was in that position accountable uh, to represent us. Um, I would want to know when I see some of our local officials, even if they they're voted, and I'd want to know why did you vote yes? Why did you vote no? Why did you abstain and not vote? And I've even asked that. I've even questioned our commissioners at times. Why didn't you vote for this? Or why do I see you with a history of abstaining? What's the strategy in that? How is that helping us? Um, and and that's, that's, a really how, interesting, that's a really interesting question. So what you're really saying is you refuse to be intimidated. Yes. You would. You chose to speak up rather than to say, oh, is anybody going to listen to me? That's right. That's right. And and I and I'm glad you used that word intimidated because since I have been um, sharing this um, over the years, just this year I've had some at some local listening sessions that I was having in communities empowering the people about um, um, who represents them and how to hold them accountable. Um, I had a, a woman say, "I feel intimidated to call them." Sometimes you're scared, you're worried that they, maybe they're going to call the police on you or maybe they're going to do something else negative, um, negative to, negatively to affect you. And that's when I um, had to share, you're the one holding the power. You're the one, are, um, the constituent. You're the one that cast your vote and they are responsible to you. Um, I realized then um, when I started working with Faith in Public Life, which was so in line with what the work that I love to do, the um, um, the passion I feel for our people, that our people sometimes feel voiceless. Um, but what I realized is even, um, and I've learned over the years, even those in our state office, they may be in Atlanta, but they represent you locally. And so I um, would, uh, make sure the people know, do you know who um, elected you? It saddened me when I went to some of our areas in the surrounding counties and I would throw out a name and I'd ask, does that name mean anything? And they were like, no. And it's somebody that's represented those people for 12 years as a state representative. And so um, then I started letting them know, this is what you can do. They all have local offices. They all have Atlanta offices. Call them up. Um, they actually have a hold, be accountable for their constituents calling and expressing saying, yes, I want you to vote for this because our community need X, Y, Z. When bills come up, they have to account for whether they voted um, um, for or against what the voice of their people want we can go online to our Secretary of State's website. Um, if you search the Secretary of State um, of Georgia, you can go on their website, put in your address, look up your um, representatives. Then you can also look up the bills that they sponsored or how they voted on bills. I'll give you an example, you know, with the Maude Aubrey death um, a few months ago, 
there was a big push for Georgia to have a hate crime bill. Mm-hmm. We didn't have one out of um, all the states. We were only um, one um, of two that didn't have a hate crimes bill out of all our states. And so we started mobilizing um, local congregations and communities. Call your elected official. Call them. Let them know we want you to, them to pass this bill. Let them know all are up for election in November. And so if you don't want to pass a hate crimes bill that protect um, our citizens, then we'll elect someone in office who will. Because our House of Representatives for Georgia had passed a bill and it sat on our Senate desk for a year. We got over 150 pastors and churches and um, um, congregations to start making those phone calls, to sign on a letter, and Georgia has passed the hate crimes bill. Okay, very good. Now tell me how it is if some of the congregations or uh, other uh, uh, organizations based upon faith, if they want to get in touch with you and sign the pledge, um, get involved in some of your advocacy activities, how do they get in touch with faith and public life? They can go online and um, search our website, faithinpubliclife.org. We also have um, Faithful Voter Georgia website where they can go online um, and get the information about how to pledge. They can take the pledge. They, um, our local leaders can feel free to call me at 706-284-9380. I can get them to pledge information and um, get them the digital information as well as printed pledge cards. And then what we do, we're trying to um, gather as many pledges as we can before our deadline of September the 30th, because we will actually plug it in and make sure that those that say they're going to vote are actually um, registered. So we will cross-match them with the database to make sure that they are registered and then get those back out to them. And anyone that needs to be registered, we have a few days to play with before the hard October 5th deadline uh, to be able to um, vote. Okay. All right. That is excellent. I also want to bring up something. In fact, this is uh, where we, we met. Um, I think some of you know that uh, the Greater Augusta's Interfaith Coalition is one of my clients with my consulting firm, and uh, I have been working with them over the last several months on improving census participation, particularly for the hard-to-count who are in our region. Uh, we work Richmond County, Columbia County, Warren, Hancock, Jenkins, Burke, uh, several of the, the counties in, in this region in order to increase census participation. Uh, right now in Richmond County, I think our self-response rate is about 58%, somewhere in there. Uh, in our uh, more affluent census tracts, to be perfectly honest, the response rate is up there at 65 and 70%. Uh, in the less affluent census tracts, the response rate is more like 30%. Um, you look at places like uh, Jeffer Jenkins County, Hancock County have the lowest self-response rates in the region. Um, they, they still have across 30%, if I've got it right, um, because there's just so many barriers to, to getting out there. 
when you're in a very rural county, uh, don't have internet access necessarily, may not have transportation. It's just, it's just there's so many things stacked against you when you're trying to respond uh, and you're in, in, in counties where uh, it's just not easy to do. Uh, so one of the things that people may not be aware of is that the Census Bureau initially had extended the self-response period through the end of October. They made an announcement a few weeks ago that self-response period is ending at the end of September. Um, there are some enumerators out in the field in some locations now, understand, but um, Great Augusta Interfaith, Faith and Public Life, Fair Count, there are a number of organizations that are still working pretty aggressively to get people signed up because we've got to reach everybody that we can. So can you uh, talk a little bit, uh, Minister Williams, about how Faith and Public Life has interfaced with the census effort and why you all have chosen to get involved with that? Yes. Um, Faith and Public Life knows how important it is that um, everyone is counted. And so we, um, through some grant programs that we have, has um, deployed about 500 census ambassadors to help, to, that volunteer to help to get out and um, um, get everybody counted. We are providing mobile hotspots for organizations that are um, out in the area in the um, communities trying to get um, people counted. And we're going out um, to our churches, to our food drives, to our back to school drives and trying to um, get um, people counted. Uh, you mentioned in that, I was just out in Warren County this past weekend and in Jefferson County the weekend before that, but it's very effort and trying to get people, get our people counted and letting them know how much uh, every head is approximately $2,300 a person. It's over um, $800 billion in federal funds. And when we look at some of our counties, um, and I was explaining like in Warren County, and we look at the roads, we look at our schools, we, um, we look in Hancock County, and oh, since the last census, the hospital was closed. But then if we look at some of our more affluent counties in our area, that's gotten approved for a, a hospital, when they're next to a county that has five. <laughs> and then that county, that um, Hancock County, who's closed, has to drive 40, 45 minutes to get to a hospital. And our numbers matter. That's why it's so important. We're out there um, joining forces with our um, faith leaders, um, with um, Augusta Interfaith Coalition, and trying to make sure that people know why it's so important to be counted. Um, I understand um, in the uh, uh, communities, particularly communities with people of color, black um, communities, um, Latinas, there's some time a history because of the history of your, um, the relationship with the government of a distrust. And so letting them know that this information on the census is confidential and it only uh, translates into the dollars for your community and will not be used against you. Um, and letting them know, even though uh, we've had years of not counting when we did, they counted us as three fifths. So that means only, I uh, mean, two out of every five blacks wasn't counted and didn't um, count on the census. That you count now in the image of God, we're all created in, uh, equal, that God um, counts us all. And it's important that um, we count for us, but for our children, our neighbors, their children, and their grandchildren. Minister Siobhan. 
tell us a little bit about your experience at the uh, federal level when you were deciding who to vote for in the 2020 presidential election. Yes, I um, have been looking and trying to decide what's the best direction for our country. And so, you know, the primary field was very flooded with a lot of people vying to um, be presidential candidates. So I started looking through um, the campaign, looking at the platforms, sending emails, asking questions on exactly what they're going to do. Why should you have my vote? One particular campaign, I sent an email, got a canned response. I proceeded and I ended up sending two more emails and I'd get a response that says, your email is, um, thank you for contacting us. You can look on our website for this information and um, it will be sent to the appropriate person and you will get a response. So over a period of about three to four weeks and I got no response, I sent another email, but in the subject I sent, ignored potential Georgia voter. I immediately, got a response, specifically answering the questions in my email, and then got two or three more follow-up responses asking if I had any more questions, thanking me for reaching out to them. And I know it wasn't just an automated machine response because they were specifically addressing what I had, but it took me changing the subject line and they it got their attention. So it's so important to make sure be persistent and get your questions asked because they should earn your vote. That is a great story. All right, well, it is about time for us to close out. Uh, I have enjoyed this conversation. I thank you so much for bringing your organization to the attention of folks in our community who may be interested in your mission. Um, as we close, are there any final comments you want to make to our listeners? Um, I just want to make sure that um, we all get out there and that we count with, our, um, with the census and that we are counted, that we know that our voice count also and that we vote. And please get in touch with me. They can... Um, Give me a call or log on to Faith and, uh, Faith and Public mm -hmm. Life website and get my information so that we can um, make sure our voices is heard um, at the poll this um, November. All right. Thank you so much you. for being my guest today, and we look forward to continuing to work with you. Thank you. Have a great day. I certainly hope that you all enjoyed chatting with Minister Williams as much as I did. We did not cover this notion of faith and public life and whether that's a conflict. You know, some people strictly believe in the separation of church and state. I am not one of those people. I believe that my faith is what God has given to sustain me. And I believe that public life is the talent that he has given me, whether it be as a government official, as I was for many years, or as a radio and podcast host where I focus on government issues. I sincerely believe that it was in his intent that people like myself combine those passions uh, as we try to serve and advise you. 
our upcoming shows uh, next week, part two on accountability. That will be the show that airs on September 9th. Our guest will be Nicholas Harrison. Uh, he will talk about his experiences with the Gwinnett County School System and holding that elected body accountable for the benefit of his son and the other students in that large school system. September 16th, guest is Fred Russell, a former Augusta administrator. Uh, we'll talk about public safety and uh, local government and just society and how, how all of this comes together in a wide-ranging conversation. Uh, it will also probably be time for us to revisit this notion of police brutality. Uh, we saw what happened in Kenosha, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I don't intend to ignore that. We'll, we'll talk some about that. And again, you know, what is the most expeditious path for us to get real change and how law enforcement interacts with African-Americans, in particular, uh, Black males. Uh, next, uh, for the month of October, remainder of September and month of October, uh, we'll be featuring school board candidates. I discussed last week, there are a total of 14 contestants who are running for school board, uh, which demonstrates a significant amount of interest. We'll ask those candidates why it is that so many of you have chosen to run uh, for that body. What is it that they see that they can contribute to it? Um, like I said, always my shows are available on my website. Please go there. If you miss something, there's a chance to pick that up. Closing out with my favorite verse, as always, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK because local matters. <music>